You're listening to the IBC Podcast, your international baseball career guide. Play ball! Now, here's your host, David Burns. Hey guys, it's episode number 52, and today I'm mixing it up a bit. I don't have the typical international baseball player telling his story, or do I have a club overseas providing information about their club and the league. But what I do have is I have a pioneer in the baseball, wood baseball bat industry, Sam Holman, the founder of Sam Bat, and he tells us his entrepreneurial story of how he pioneered the maple bat into the MLB, how uh, Joe Carter helped him do it, and how he became very good friends with Barry Bonds, and uh, Barry even cooked him some eggs at one time. So, very interesting story. Sam uh, also has Arlene Anderson, the president of Sam Bat, is, joins him, and uh, between the two of them, it's a pretty cool story, and they provide a lot of information uh, from behind the scenes of producing the best quality maple bat in the industry. So, without further ado, let's get on with episode number 52. Just a quick pause for our sponsor, Sam Bat. IBC is now a supplier for Sam Bat in Europe. So any clubs looking for team orders can contact me at d.burns at baseballjobsoverseas.com and we'll hook you up. Sam, Arlene, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Uh, so let's let's go way back to when you, you first got into maple bat production. And I read online somewhere that it was through some sort of bar challenge. Can you tell us what that's all about? Uh, yeah. Uh, I knew a Expo Scout, the other hat that you could be wearing if uh, they were still around. <laughs> uh, Bill McKenzie was, got back from Florida one day, and they were drinking in our pub on a kind of a cold spring day. Because it was warm in Florida, but it's cold up here. And uh, and he says, we're breaking too many bats. Why don't you do something about that? Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill thought I was a carpenter. And actually, anyway, that was the question that sent me on the way down to um, the library to start reading about bats. Because I knew nothing about bats, mm-hmm. other than that they may be wood. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that started the story, and that was that's that was the pub challenge. That was the pub challenge. So there, there was quite a bit of research that went into it, from from what I read. Well, uh, I did. There, there is a patent library here in Ottawa mm-hmm. that duplicates the U.S. Patent Office in Washington, and I so I went and I read everything I could about the wooden bats uh, that they had, or about every patent on bats which three quarters of them are about metal for some reason. Mm-hmm. don't quite understand that part, but there yeah. you go. Yeah. So when did you produce the first maple bat? Uh, it was in the early spring of 97. 97. I, yeah, or maybe 96. I forget now. Uh, it's one of those two years. Anyway, it, it was... Uh, I had a piece left over from the banister you see back here, and that long part is the banister yeah. uh, and uh, I cut a bat out of it I was very lucky it happened to be medium density maple yeah. and the chances of doing that uh, is is difficult yeah. most most maple majority of maple is very hard very dense and very heavy mm-hmm. but but it varied the the density varies and uh, I had a piece that a major league player could use mm-hmm. uh, 
And so when we first made the bat, Bill said, take it out to the Sandlot uh, team and see see what they can do with it. So I take this bat out there, and they've got their moving bats, and balls are flying over the fence all the time. You know, that's why they call it the beer, beer league. It's you go out to the fence, you drink your beer, you catch your balls. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, Sounds familiar uh, coming from Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, so that's what they were doing. And so I hand them this bat and several guys try it. Nobody can hit it over the third baseman's head. <laughs> they just, they can't do it. So I tell, I tell Bill the next day, this is what happened. And he says, I don't believe this. And so we go back out, same bat, uh, same team, actually, same results. <laughs> and Bill says, grab that bat, Sam. we got to find some hitters. <laughs> and so we took it to the, the Pete McKinnon at the Lynx, the Triple H sub uh, that was in town here. And, uh, and Fernando Saganol. Pop the first balls over the fence. Yeah, there you go. You get the you get the bat in a real hitter's hands, and then you can see what can be done with it. So, and, and Fernando is a real hitter, and amongst real hitters, he's a pure hitter. Yeah, uh, he, he 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 ended up in Japan, and I remember visiting him out there, mm-hmm. and I said, "Gee, you must speak perfect Japanese. You've been out here a couple of years," and he says, "I don't, but my family does." <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like me in Austria here. My, I'm, they they always make fun of me. I've been here ten years, and and my German is still far from fluent. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure you know how to get a beer. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. So, um, so, where what did you do from this point on? You discovered okay, it looks like maybe we're onto something here. How did you you know get the bat to where it was right now? What was your what were your first steps after that? Uh. Uh, the first step was we knew a fellow that was part of the Founders Club at the Toronto Blue Jays, hmm. and, uh, and and we talked to him about seeing if several players would like to try it out. Mm-hmm. And he sent us a list of uh, Carlos Delgado, Ed Sprague, and Joe Carter. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were the first uh, major leaguers to use the bat. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, when we took it there, uh, they all hit balls out of the park you know they just it, it, it was very it was a very interesting rewarding day because joe carter came up to me and just said you really have something here stick with it yeah so he, I, he, he told me that in the first day bang that that's always positive feedback <laughs> to get that from yeah. joe carter so I can imagine like pro ball players being a little finicky with what they're swinging. So, uh, did you have any difficulty getting the bat in their hands, or were they really open to to it right away? And and you brought it to a batting practice. Is that how it went out? Yeah, we went down to an early spring batting practice in April. Uh, it was the very beginning of the season, and uh, and um, we we gave it to them, and we had they had given us three bats to to duplicate. For them that they wanted, and Joe sent us a bat that was kind of interesting because it, uh, it it was based on an aluminum design, mm-hmm. and uh, and he he tried that bat and he says, "Boy, I, I don't like this thing. It buzzes me." And it was it was the way the knob was designed, and we we just never make that knob anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we know that that we don't we know that that does not work. Mm-hmm. But uh, but. Uh, uh, 
that is probably one of the few bats that we ever made that did not work out of the box. Mm-hmm. And he was, and I was fortunate to give it to him because he, instead of saying, I don't like the bat and never talking to me again, he told me about it. And uh, so we were able to correct stuff right away. And that kind of uh, got us into paying uh, close attention to what players say. Yeah. Because what they what they want is what they're going to use, yeah. and uh, I can't I can't sell them a bat. I mean, we've never been able to sell them a bat, but we've been able to provide their instrument to their needs. That's that's our trick. Yeah. So, um, what, at what point did uh, were you able to get the first maple maple bat approved and in the MLB? Well, the use became before the approval, uh, and there's a. Pretty interesting story about that in the New York Times when uh, Joe uh, goes up to bat and uh, the catcher, who was Mike Sweeney, who said, uh, what's, the, what's that bat ump? Uh, implying that it was uh, illegal. And the ump looks at Joe and he says, what's the bat, Joe? And Joe says, oh, it's the new Sam bat. And then Joe hit the home run right then. Really? Uh, yeah, and that was uh, we couldn't create a miss faster or quicker than what Joe did with the bat that day. So uh, <laughs> that that, that uh, really and Joe uh, Joe has sold more bats than I'll ever sell. Yeah, that's that's He's, great. That's that's a great story. So um, from from there, the bat slowly worked its way into the MLB, and then eventually somehow ended up in the, the hands of Barry Bonds. So you went kind of from producing these bats from your garage at home, for, and actually not just the garage, I think throughout your old whole house. Uh, yeah. and, and then, uh, so at what point did you kind of realize, okay, we're on to something here, and uh, it went into full production, and you started um, pushing the bat uh, into other players' hands? Really, that, that spring day, we knew... I knew I had something that worked out of the box. It was just in, uh, from that day on, all I did was try to establish things like Triple Eight Sambat. I registered the trademark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you, we did everything we could to try to ensure the longevity of the business, mm-hmm. uh, and and try to make a make a world-class brand out of that and hopefully we'd come pretty close well the bat caught on incredibly quickly actually yeah in fact uh uh that was some some of the uh you know the inherent difficulties for the fact that it became so popular so quickly yeah Mm -hmm. that was uh, you know the demand was absolutely huge it was beyond the garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it really was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there, there were seven people in this house every day for five years. Wow. And trying to just, and we were doubling uh, every year, we doubled. So in 98, in that article, I think I quoted 425 bats were sold that year mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball. And boom, uh, uh, we're selling thousands. We're, well, the next year was eight hundred, and the next yeah. year was sixteen hundred. Yeah. It was that was, and that's a, that is a tough um, um, uh, economic uh, road to travel. Yeah. Doubling every year means you have to get twice as much money as you made yeah. every year. Yeah, I can see that being a great challenge. Yeah, it, it became an, uh, a totally all-encompassing challenge, which yeah. eventually uh, it, it's like having an an anaconda that 
doubles in length every year, and then it starts to squeeze you. <laughs> it, it, it became a very big challenge. Yeah. And also, it uh, introduced me to Arlene and Jim and, and, and Paul, our, our partners, uh, in a, and we're still trying to correct it. <laughs> I think it's an ongoing process, definitely. And and today, obviously, there's many competitors in in the maple bat market. Um, but uh, being the first in, I, I can see how how production must have been you know doubling every year, and and, and po- the popularity of the bat once it was discovered what it can do um, with uh, with the amount of pop coming off of a maple bat that we all know. Um, yeah. I can see that getting the interest of many many uh, big league hitters. So so at some point, Barry Bonds. Started swinging a, a, a sound bat. When was that uh, approximately? Yeah, if you recall, Joe was traded from the Blue Jays to the Baltimore Orioles, and they in turn traded him to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I, that uh, was uh, at the end of '99, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so in spring training, uh, 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 probably uh, 2000, I guess, if we. It has logically went that way. Forgive me if I forget. I'm only 70. Sometimes these things are not quite in the order they are. Someone will correct us, hopefully. Uh, but uh, anyway, I went into spring training in, in uh, Arizona, and uh, and I go up to talk to Barry, and Barry just said, that's who, and then he says, make all you want. And I go, what in the? He handed me a bat, and uh, that bat he used that year for the entire. He reestablished his home run uh, uh, high of 37 that year. So that whatever year that was, that was the spring training I was at, <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, from uh, that day when Barry picked, I, I had a bat full of bags, and I said, I don't have a bat that looks like this, but you're welcome to any bat there. Just pick out what you want. And he picked one out, and he went out to the, to the uh, Hayden Field, and he started hitting balls. And he put, he put balls in every quadrant of the field, he, over the fence. He had kids chasing all the way up and down. It was funny stuff to see. And uh, the, the batting coach there, the San Francisco coach at the time, says, uh, you know, he never does that. And uh, uh, he just he enjoyed using that bat. And um, we, when I got home, we, we made him 24 bats right away. <laughs> and I, I, I can imagine the excitement around the company too at that point when you know Barry Bonds is on board. And would you find that to be like kind of the turning point? And and when you're when you really well, obviously Joe Carter is, is was quite the superstar as well. Um, but I, I I know when when Barry comes on board, he becomes uh, you know obviously uh, your marketing tool right there. Um, so, yeah. so how big was that? Like, did you notice an immediate impact uh, at that point? You know, uh, uh, there's a couple things there. You, you can't forget that Jose Canseco was also in the picture. I know all the bad boys of baseball, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they also—you you, got to have a certain attitude to swing a bat. I think yeah. uh, at, at the success rate they have. Yeah, and uh, sure. <laughs> and, and that's kind of—it's actually more fun to know that that's what drive that that what's really in the 
out of their minds is hitting that darn ball. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and they're very good at it, you know. So they have attitude. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. And and I I have to park mine. I can't have one. <laughs> you know, I I'm just there to serve. Uh, uh, and that's that's uh, been very successful. But by that point, there were several hundred uh, MLB players uh, placing orders with Sam. So basically, anyone and, and everyone who was uh, was the best of the best wanted to, to try the naval bop. And uh, so when you, you went down the list of players, it was absolutely uh, astonishing. Those yeah. uh, those years, to 2001, 2002, 2003, yeah. uh, 2004, absolutely amazing. And that was, of course, uh, when Sam created uh, a whole new industry that we're living with now. But uh, but the the list was is just completely yeah. impressive. Yeah. yeah, and and we've maintained the list pretty much. Yeah. It has not dropped off much of the year. In fact, this year we had a significant increase in it, which is yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's many way. competitors, and and uh, that obviously jumped on board at that point. I'm sure, but uh, being the first in, being the pioneer that you are, and and, and with that niche market, and uh, actually, I'm going to read a quote from the Canadian Business Journal that I found online. Uh, that that reads, Sambad is the classic story of passion and innovation coming together to solve a problem and serve a market niche. Um, how does being the first in the industry um, separate Sambat from its competitors, uh, you know, back then and and today? Well, um, it, what it says is we've been down many gravel roads, <laughs> and and uh, you until you drive down the gravel roads to look for the wood you need uh, uh, that's just one aspect of the journey the, the other aspect of the journey is the attention to detail to, mm-hmm. and, and teaching and having good employees uh, continue uh, doing what uh, I once did well fortunately they carry on young hands do good work yeah. put it that way yeah. and, uh, and the, the, we can't say enough about our Workforce. Yeah, just, well, uh, I can imagine incredible right. people trying to. Sam, Sam actually changed the entire industry. I mean, uh, we you started out 100 percent is basically ash. Now 75 percent is maple with yeah. a small portion being being yellow birch also. So what what also started out as being uh, four maybe five main companies uh, now there's 32 uh, approved per on the field uh, with the major league baseball. So it's a highly highly competitive uh, market. Uh, what Sam's saying though is 100 percent accurate. It's a combination of finding beautiful wood, uh, straight grain that's in the weight right weight range, and that's the that's the difficult thing with with Kovacs. Uh, you can't just take any piece of maple. It's uh, it's very much dependent on the on the weight and grain. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have uh, highly trained professional staff to basically not wreck that piece of wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have to know what they're doing, yeah. and uh, you know they have to uh, place it on the lathe correctly, and then they have they have to be sanded correctly and to the exact specs of, of that that particular mm-hmm. player. So. Uh, it's uh, it's highly personalized. You know, we have uh, 300 some models, and uh, the players change their model over the course of the season. Uh, Sam, uh, with Barry, and with all of the players, uh, customized bats over the course of the season. 
depending on how they're doing their playing or injury or whatever. Mm -hmm. So very, very specialized. And, uh, you know, you do have to, uh, we, we have all these lines of business that are, that are happening at the same time, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, regular customers, but the pros, it's, it's, uh, I always liken it to, uh, ready to wear versus, uh, home couture. You've got something, a custom tailored, uh, outfit. And as the, uh, players' body changes during the course of the season. They be changing up quite a bit. Yeah, injury is a factor sometimes. But also, uh, um, Barry taught us early on too in a discussion with him. Uh, I said, you know, I should be sending you a variety of weights because you know uh, uh, the pitching so well that you know that you can use a heavier bat and work less, still get your home run against. A pitcher that might be slightly slower in the next one, and 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 it just gives you an insight to what a uh, what a hitter is thinking about and how well he has to know the pitching staff of the whole league. Yeah. Uh, not just one. You know, it's it's easy to know the ones in his own team, but he's also always looking and seeing what other pitching is doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a full time job. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. It's very, very bonds also. Uh, Barry and Sam are, are friends. It's their their relationship has has uh, uh, is at a different uh, different level. They they both uh, weathered a lot to, together <laughs> and uh, various crypto practices. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, in the in the series in the home run series, uh, uh, the seventy three home run series, yeah. and we I was at my father's veterinarian convention in Boston, and. Uh, and we're, and we're watching him hit, and, he, and the balls are bouncing inside the fence. He's getting doubles instead of home runs by, by a foot, you know. Yeah. And uh, he calls up, and I say, yeah, the bat's too light. You need to, you need to up the you, – you, you're, you're swinging. You're working too hard. You did the work to get the home run, and, and you're not getting it because you don't have the weight behind the ball. Yeah. And I, the phone went silent. And he hung up, and I thought, well, there, that's the last time I'll see Barry Bond. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, the very next day, he went out, and he, he, uh, he sent me an email message, and he says, you know, my dad said you're right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think most of the players don't understand the physics behind baseball, so you got to listen to that. Yeah, well, Dad sometimes knows. Yeah. Dad was a pretty good hitter. So that's great. Yeah, I've heard that before that you're friends with Barry. So do you occasionally still meet up or, or stay in contact? Or Yeah, every once in a while we'll, we'll throw a call back and forth across. Uh, but uh, yeah, all my baseball reset, uh, uh Contacts are in the world of baseball. It's funny you, you might see them a year from now, and they know, they, they remember better than I remember them. Actually, it's sometimes embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, they. Uh, but you know, it's you take the time you have, and, and uh, I, I've driven out and visited him, and he's put me up in his doghouse. His doghouse is pretty nice in my head. Yeah. Are we back? Yep, we're back. 
I okay. Just had connection the last thing I heard was that you you were staying in Barry Bonds's pretty nice doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> he's, the, the compound is extensive. I'll I'll say that. Yeah. Reba Reba McIntyre is a neighbor. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, so it's a nice part of Los Angeles. It, to, it totally is beautiful. You, you can see the Pacific Ocean from there and all that good stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he makes us he makes us breakfast in the morning. And he says, "How do you want your eggs?" And I say, "Over easy." And he flipped them in the pan, and that was over. That was truly over easy. I was very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I can see myself cooking eggs for anybody that helps me hit seventy three home runs in a in a. <laughs> I'm still trying to break ten myself, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not. Uh, I'm probably even lower on the list than you are. So I don't think I've ever hit a home. <laughs> so, so mentioning that that Barry was swinging the uh, sambat in in uh, 2001 when he broke the record. Yeah. Uh, also, when he set the all-time career record. That, yes, that's correct. Set 762 home runs. Yeah, all the. Well, you got to remember the 762. That includes everything. So yeah. I, I never sat down and did the math to say how many actual Sambat hits were there. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'll ask him someday. He might know. <laughs> A good <laughs> chunk. Of <laughs> A good chunk. So. Well, and then today you have what what is regarded as the world's best hitter uh, swinging a Sambat, Miguel Cabrera. Um, so. You know, obviously, a lot of the the big names around baseball have been using a sound bat, and and uh, I, I can see that with the success they're having with the triple crown for Miguel in, in I believe 2012, and and uh, obviously what Barry did, I can see them not wanting to switch. Uh, so, is it difficult to retain some of these guys? You know, with all these other offers on the table or, or other bats that are trying to to woo them. Oh yeah, I mean the, the competition's out there, and uh, um, they they make their product. I don't like we can't speak for the quality of their products, but we can yeah. we know they do uh, put them out there. And some people, uh, yeah, you, 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 I've been asked the question: Is you know someone can pick up any maple bat and use it? Well, yeah, the answer is that's true. Uh, and the reason we stay in the business and keep going forward is is uh, paying attention to detail and, and uh, trying to keep the quality well keeping the quality out there. Period. Yeah, it's, it's not, yeah. It's, the competition is fierce. Uh, the only thing that that we have uh, stayed the course. We've never paid any players for using our product. Uh, we're probably one of the only companies that uh, that can say that. Yeah. Uh, we try to treat uh, everyone very consistently, uh, whether they are a minor league player or a major league player or uh, a customer off the street. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, we only have one uh, grade of wood, and that is uh, pro-grade wood. And uh, the, the, the key is uh, maintaining quality and consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of our, our com- the, the smaller companies that come and go, uh, they can make some bats nicely, but then maintaining that is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get uh, the wood necessary for Miguel Cabrera's bats, we have to go through a, you know, a thousand pieces of wood, and we might get 36 or 48 pieces uh, that could make that bat. 
and then after it's turned, uh, each, you know, Mother Nature being what it is, uh, each piece of wood is a slightly different weight. And its uh, weight distribution, uh, even over the, uh, the 36 inches, is different. So that's where you're having the highly trained staff that uh, uh, really uh, weighs the wood, uh, you know, evaluates it at every stage of production. And at any stage of production, a bat can be kicked back at so by any staff person. Okay. So, you know, it's not uh, it's not like we're, we're filling holes. Uh, we know, you know, some of our competition uh, uses a lot of wood filler. Uh, and, uh, you know, we do create a lot of waste. But uh, we also are creating what we think is uh, is the best, uh, best maple bat in the world. Yeah, and there's a lot of ha- hands-on care that goes in, you know, throughout the production process. I've, I've watched some of the YouTube videos. Actually, I think it was a... Uh, a TV documentary, Canadian TV documentary that did, went through the, the production plant and and showed you how a sound bat is made from beginning to end. And I noticed a lot of hands-on care that went into it each step of the process. And and you know I I can't imagine all the competitors you know going through all of those steps and, and to to make sure that um, so much care is is in, put into every single bat that's produced. Oh, the guys have a, a huge amount of pride in what they, what they do. There's nothing better than uh, than having a bat made on on Wednesday shipped out and uh, seeing someone using it on the weekend on on television. It's really very motivational, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know there's an intense sense of pride with, that uh, that goes along with it. Uh, they don't want anything uh, going out of the factory that, that they're not uh, not proud of, and that they can stand behind it. And it's the one thing I actually don't uh, worry about. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of other things in the business that I worry about, not that. Now, to give you an example, I mean, uh, half the staff is devoted to the production, and the other half is kind of taking care of sales and mm-hmm. you know that the uh, that side of the business Arlene has truly uh, uh, changed how the office looks all I can certainly say that so um, I, I you notice that when you go in there's, there's three or four people on phones all the time so uh, yeah that, that's uh, it's a it's also an important part of the thing and uh, we always tried to live answer our phones uh, that's been in spite of doing everything else, it was important to answer the phone. So uh, it still it still applies. Just a quick pause for our sponsor, Sambat. IBC is now a supplier for Sambat in Europe. So any clubs looking for team orders can contact me at d.burns at baseballjobsoverseas.com and we'll hook you up. So now you're expanding internationally. How How long have you been looking overseas uh, obviously in the u.s the, it's very competitive um, well, almost from day one believe it or not yeah uh, some of the early bats went to japan right away uh korea was not far behind uh there's never been a lot that have gone there because uh, the shipping cost is uh, prohibitive uh but uh but but if we I will never be able to go to all the places that the bats have already been to. So, uh, and, and I would like to go to some more. I mean, like I have been to Japan and I, uh, I've been to Australia, but that was before the bats yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, we, we, we can only be proud of them. That's, uh, yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. The official bat of the Australian baseball league, 
uh, you know, we've, we've Italy, uh, France, uh, Russia, Korea, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mexico. Uh, it's it, yeah, basically anywhere uh, that uh, the best uh, baseball is played. Yeah, yeah. there's pro ball being played. The battle be around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's you know there's a low level pro baseball in Europe as well, and, and there are guys that um, are swinging sand bad. I, I know that this seems like there's a lot of ash over here and I um, possibly you know, do something about that yeah we'll have to do something about that well I know these pro, the pro guys over here don't have deep pockets as part of the problem but uh, you know what, what can you say to somebody that's been using ash their whole life and you know what's the difference in swinging a maple what what would they notice well the, the one thing they'll notice in practice is that the, the bat does not wear down mm-hmm. it, it Basically, as soon as you start using an ash bat, you are in the process of turning it into a broom. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what happens. And you get terms like uh, canoeing, and these are ash bat terms. And I've never heard of anybody saying uh, uh, maple bat canoes. That they just don't. They yeah. uh, they will break. Uh, but you, and you get a, a life of a month or, or more. And we have robes that have been used uh, over a year in, in Major League Ball. Uh, that's a rogue bat, but uh, we do produce one every once in a while. I wish I could tell you which one it was, because <laughs> I charge a lot more money for it. Than I, really, <laughs> I really would. But, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, and what do you say to a young hitter who's done that? You know, he's had that bat and he's used it a year. I remember in San Francisco, uh, a young guy did that. I, I think it was one of the Rodriguez. Anyway, uh, uh, Spanish player. And he, you know, he proudly shows me the bat and he says he's been using it for the whole year. And I say, boy, if I were you, I'd give that to my father. It would be the first whole bat you ever gave him. <laughs> and the next, next day he went out and he broke the bat. <laughs> and the whole team broke up laughing. <laughs> so, yeah. That's good. Yeah, Sam, Sam used to it was say, you, you know, they use it to destruction. And, uh, and that's really, you know, let's face it, when you see the power behind uh, the hitting uh, these days, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Like the speed of the ball, the, the connection, and, and even watching the slow motion uh, videos where the, the bats are actually bending. Yeah. Uh, just with the swing, uh, we had an amazing shot of Alfonso Soriano in particular, who liked a very long bat with a narrow handle, which uh, and a big barrel, which you, from a physics standpoint was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but we we would swing it so fast that the that there was uh, quite the curvature on the, on the bat. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then you see the ball wrap around the barrel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like like that that's it that's that's 100 miles meeting 100 miles yeah yes it's i I can imagine that it's difficult for the bat to withstand that and and you know the physics behind it is hard to comprehend but i know when i meet the i'm not facing 100 miles an hour but when i hit it on the sweet spot in a sand bat it flies and it doesn't happen that often these days but when it does uh it's a good feeling so um yeah, before we wrap this up, I missed a question that I was really more personal for myself because I was curious. What's with the big knob with the 2K1? Uh, I tried it out, and I like it, actually. It just takes a little getting used to. Uh, so well, you, you have to know a couple things about Barry's swing. One is people always said he choked up. 
And that was true. Uh, he, he did. But he also allowed the, as that bat is coming around the arc, he's letting it slide out. Mm-hmm. So he's actually maximizing the length of the bat. Mm-hmm. And so the big knob reminds him that's when to clamp on. Uh, but the real reason we ended up with the big mat, he, he um, in his right hand, he had a, uh, it, it was sore to pick up the knob of the handle and just in, a, in carrying it to the plate, whatever. It had nothing to do with He said, uh, I said, my hand's comfortable when I'm holding a ball. So we made it the diameter of the ball. Yeah. And uh, and that's what it did, and he and he liked it, and he's used it ever since. Yeah. Now most people don't carry their bat by the knob to the plate from home run to the plate, and probably wouldn't think about it twice. You know, they just change how they held it. Yeah. But um, very, uh, he he wanted it. He we we made it, and he liked it. So yeah, uh, it obviously worked. <laughs> so yeah, obviously worked. Yeah. yeah. That was, I guess, his, his ritual, really. Yeah, it was a, uh, the other thing he did was tape the handles. And, and uh, when he did a tape job on a, on a bat, it was so meticulous. They're just absolutely total and complete works of art. And he would change the, the design every once in a while, uh, just so he'd say, I can remember when I used that bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has most of the bats in his house at home, that he, he all the bats he used. Uh, I know he's given me a couple, and he and and he gave John McEnroe one uh, on TV. I saw that, yeah. but uh, not many people have various back. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I just have a final question for uh, for each one of you. I'll start with Arlene. Uh, if you have, if you had thirty seconds, this is more more for my own curiosity as well to convince somebody why they should swing a bat, sound bat, as opposed to someone else what is it about Sam Bat that differentiates them from the competition or that individual bat per se I would say that I would want to hold a uh, unique product uh, that was uh, something that changed uh, an industry that basically has magic associated with it Mm -hmm. and as Barry put it confidence is power yeah, and, and with a sandbag, you will have confidence. I, I know I have more confidence with one, <laughs> and and also to add to it, it's just a beautiful bat. I, I think the logo is beautiful. I just I love the bats. When when a shipment comes in, I just probably spend about half an hour just staring at at the bats lying on the couch. So <laughs> I'll, I'll add that to it too. And it's the magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I never really had to worry about it much. Uh, uh, I'll tell you why, because uh, we also make little league bats. And one of the first little league bats ever made for a little kid, uh, the next day his dad comes down and he says, Sam, he slept with it all night. <laughs> that's, that's why you want to try a Sam. <laughs> yeah, that, sound, that actually sounds familiar. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Sam, I have a question for you, a final question. Looking back on on your personal story, because I I consider myself somewhat of an entrepreneur. So as I did a little research going into this interview and and got to know you a little better, and obviously being uh, a pioneer in the industry for for introducing Maple Bat to to baseball around the world uh, and changing a market, uh, what advice would you say to any young entrepreneurs out there who think they may be onto something and, and 
how can they proceed or take it to the next level or, or what advice would you have? Well, if they know it works, uh, I think Joe Carter's advice is the simplest. Stick with it, um, but be prepared for a long road. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I would say my weakest uh, ability was business and making business deals. I, I was never comfortable in the deal-making thing, which is probably why the Wilson deal never worked out and things like that. But, because when you get more down in all the legalese, you kind of have to know that world. And uh, yeah. at my age, I was a little beyond uh, learning all that stuff. Uh, yeah, but I appreciate it, and and uh, and I can read through it. But you know, you can also read through medical books, but you don't become a doctor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that's, uh, yeah, exactly. uh, so you got to you got to stick with it and work at it. It's it's. It's the work you put out that's going to get you the reward. It's yeah. not. It's not product you make. Yeah, excellent, perfect, you guys. You, I, I appreciate you sitting down and, and spending the time, and um, I'm excited about this interview, and I can't wait to to you know make it public, and uh, I hope you know you know I wish you guys the best of luck with with Sambat in the future as well, and and you know it's been it's been great talking to you. We've had fun. Thanks so much, David. Great. And go Blue Jays. (laughs) Go Jays. (laughs) See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. That wraps up episode number 52. I want to thank Sam and Arlene for taking the time to share that story with me. From an entrepreneurial standpoint, it was a great story, very inspirational, and I think baseball lovers from all around the world can appreciate the Sam Bat story. Well, I'm signing off, and we'll catch you on episode number 53. Until next time, in the words of Ron Burgundy, stay classy, IBC listeners.